All right, so um, we'll get started uh, with the lesson. I've kind of um, done some evaluations and in, in, uh, thinking, and actually been talking to uh, one of the elders of the church that you know, we kind of work together in the process of doing things, and he kind of feeds off, says, ah, you should do this, Mike, you should do that, and, and, and the other. And, and, um, and one thing that we're um, thinking about and talking about is that we want to give you guys ample time to ask questions. Um, I uh, start talking, and as soon as I start talking, yeah, it's great. I mean, I, I guess it's great. It might not even be great, but I just keep on going, and then all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, we're out of, we're out of time, and I don't want to do that. So uh, we're going to give you guys ample time to ask questions today. So uh, we want to make sure that you guys have time to, to do that, and, and, um, and we'll, see how, uh, we'll see how that works. And you guys say, well, you're going to have ample time to ask questions. Well, how many pages of notes do you got here? This is a, how are we going to get through this? Well, we only have one page that we're going to fill, uh, fill things out on. So just one page we're going to fill things out. I believe it's on the second page. And uh, we just want to open up a passage of Scripture and then work through that passage. And then the other stuff is just for information that we could hold on to. Um, I have been asked, are, are we going to answer all the questions um, that were written on the card? Uh, well, all the questions that we've written on the card so far, unless your card was not handed in or I did not receive them, are on the first page. So these are the questions um, that have been asked, and I just want to go through them and answer them uh, you know, during this class. So we're, we're going towards it, just to let you know. And, um, and then after we answer them, we're going to pull them off so you guys can see, that, oh, I think it's been answered. And, and if I didn't answer it, then I want you to um, ask questions on top of that. So you see some of them are in the red. I believe they're in the red. And uh, those are the ones that we're going to deal with today, how to deal with difficult people. You know, like I said last week, how do you deal with wicked people? And then I just went that direction, and I never answered this question. We just want to talk about how to deal with um, difficult uh, people. And then, you know, going through these other questions, how does a Christian believer stay open communication with a close relative that is vehemently opposed to all Christian living, table, church, values, morals? Is there ever a time when you are to share the dust, uh, shake the dust off of your sandals and walk away? Uh, that's a really good question, and we're going to talk about that today and see if we can answer that question. And then biblical um, versus cultural gentleness, tips, tricks, and um, techniques. Uh, what I, the class is, is that we'll take um, ancient solutions to modern problems. So I like to connect verses um, with them, um, but I only have one verse connected with these, and then the other we're not going to go into a lot of time with, but we will also answer those questions more from um, just um, uh, an understanding, because I want to answer the trips, or the trips, tips, Trips, trips, trips. I just have to say, so last night I got home from preaching. I shouldn't tell you this, but I'm going to tell you this because it's, it's sad, and um, this is what her family's going through. Um, last night I got home from preaching. My wife was in the emergency dog room area. So in other words, went to emergency care for my dog. My big dog took out my small dog, and they usually don't do that. And my dogs are all sweet. They've been together for two years. And so now we're making a decision on, do you get rid of the big dog? We love that dog so much, and we can't just take that dog. I'm sorry. I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm supposed to teach and preach, but I just want to tell you that's what's going on in my mind right now, is we're going through some dog issues <laughs> So as we're, as we're walking through that. So why did I tell you that? I don't know, because we're a body. We work together in those processes of it. So, um, but um, anyway, what were we talking about? Trips or tricks and tricks. Yeah, the words that I cannot say because of that. See, now I'm starting to connect it. See, that's I'm connecting the dots. The tips, tricks, and techniques there um, in regards to communication. So let's just look at the, the first page and how to deal with difficult people. 
Um, they're just going to give us right from the ancient text. If you want to learn how to diff- deal with difficult people, uh, there's a passage in, in 2 Timothy that says, this is what you need to do. And we just want to look at it. I'll read the passage. And then we'll just break it down to say, this is what God wants me to do with difficult people that I work with. 2 Timothy 2, 23-26 says this, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments, speculation, because you know that they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful, patient when wronged. Those who oppose him must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. So just breaking it down, underlining it, what are we supposed to do? Number one, don't argue. We're not supposed to argue with them. Um, the way that I take this verse is that if I'm in an argument, I'm wrong. Um, uh, according to this passage, don't argue with them. If I'm in an argument, then I've, I've stepped over something. I've, I, I've gone into something that I should not go to. What happens is there's wise people and there's, there's foolish people. And in Proverbs says, you know, you don't, don't confront a fool. And the reason why you don't want to confront a fool is because it's just going to come back at you. When you want to talk with somebody, you want a conversation where you grow each other. You want a conversation that is rich. Um, but in our back of our mind, there's, there's something that's inside of us to justify an argument thinking that if I have this argument, this person will then be convinced of what is being said. But according to this scripture, as soon as we cross an argument, you're thinking, you're think, you're thinking on wrong tracks. And some of the areas that you could be thinking is like, well, you know, I'm right and that person is wrong. I am correct in this and, and that person is, is wrong. Do not have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Run from them. It's like, how can you do this? But run from them. Walk away from them. Calm them down. Get them, get them even, even out. And uh, um, I'm really convicted in that because, you know, I do have some things that are very, you know, adamant that I need to say. <laughs> very adamant that people need to know. And very important that people understand and then live accordingly too. And I am, being the righteous person I am, supposed to explain that to them. And they're thinking the exact same thing as I'm thinking. They need to explain it to, to me. And all of a sudden, it just, it just, it just goes, it goes um, back and forth. And, and uh, so being a pastor, you know, people do come in the office and, and I have you know, great conversations with so many people, debates with people. In fact, I can get into really heavy debates with people, but only certain people. <laughs> in other words, I see the person before I go into the conversation to see how far can I go? What can I do? How deep can I get? You know, how, you know, you analyze the person to see how you're going to go. And as soon as an argument starts taking place, and it's like, oh, okay, well, then we just move a, move a, a different direction. Some people like to come in just for the purpose um, of arguing, and then I am there for just the purpose of what? Just, just listening and, and, and smiling, and it's all right. You just, you just sit there and let, let, uh, let you know, uh, people speak, but I, we do think about this. This is something we all have to work on. As soon as we're arguing, we've stepped into a category that we shouldn't even be in. 
almost in every, almost in all of our situations, even when it comes to um, our mates. You know, we argue, but we're supposed to discuss. <laughs> because an argument is, 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 is discussion on steroids that bring aggressive and frustrating emotions. And, and I, I believe that um, our points are less important than an argument that is, that is taking place. Because arguments are never won. So don't argue with them. And, and this is going to take um, some areas. Number one, being, being shallow. You know, it's okay to be shallow uh, with people. And um, in fact, we need to find people that we're going to be shallow with and people that we're going to be deep with. And the problem is that we go deep with people we should be shallow with. <laughs> so it's like, okay, this person needs to understand we need to go deep right now. Well, and all you have is a, a massive argument that takes place. It's okay to be shallow. It's all right just to say, you know, let's just talk on the surface and just redirect, you know, um, redirect those things. Um, and then take nothing personally. Um, when an argument is there, you need to stand be above the argument, and then the person that is arguing with you is supposed to stand above the argument. Don't try to convince that person they need to stand above the argument because then you can argue. <laughs> but if you say that person should be standing above the argument and I should be standing above the argument, I'm just going to stand above it and not argue. And then whatever that person says, I just let it go right over the top of my head. I'll just go right over the top of my head because if that person's a believer, they're not supposed to bring into the discussion of the argument as well. Things, and so you just, you just, just pull it down or, or calm it down by just not taking it personally. Everything's all right. There are some things that, um, that I take really, really personal. And the things that I take really, really personal is determined and dependent on who says it. <laughs> uh, so somebody, my wife can say one thing that can absolutely crush me. And somebody can say the exact same thing that I, it doesn't even phase me. It just, it just goes, it goes right past me. And so it's really just differentiating you know, the people that we are talking with and, um, and working with. So don't argue. Be shallow. Take nothing personally. And number two, according to that passage, it says to do what? Is to be kind. You know, it's getting really complicated. <laughs> but this is exactly how simple Scripture is, is to be kind. What is kind? Uh, just be crazy positive. Um, it's really hard to kick somebody that is on the ground. <laughs> And when you are positive, it's hard to fight that person. It's hard to tear into that person. And, and you are communicating in a way that says, I don't want to have this discussion with you. you know, um, so if somebody comes up to you and you're being positive, you're automatically steering things those directions. Awesome, time, awesome way to be kind. Um, compliment them. I know that's the last thing you ever want to do. But what happens is that when somebody is speaking to you, they want to be heard. And the reason why people want to be heard is because people want to be something. <laughs> and, and so if you have a listening ear, that person is receiving a gift, believe it or not. More gift than advice could ever give. In fact, when we walk into the foyer and all of us are greeting out there and we're talking out there, um, you know, we, we talk to our greeters, you are there not to, supposed to talk. You're there actually to listen to them. Because if you listen to people, if a greeter is listening to people, that person is literally receiving therapy, literally receiving everything that they need, and they are connecting with you like no other. Why? Just because you, you, you listened. And so when you, when you look at um, 
these people that are talking to you, that are aggressive, you just want to tell them, I hear you. And one massive power to tell them I hear you is give them a compliment. You're all right. Don't compliment them about the argument. You know, somebody sitting there wanting to argue, it's like, you know, you carry a passion that is, that is awesome. You carry a passion that, that can change the world. I like, boy, you know, I don't want to get too, too, too aggressive, but you look at the apostles in the scripture, they carried a passion similar to you. Man, alive. Carry that passion. Be strong. Be rich. You know, it's, it's, it's good. You're, you're somebody good, you know, with those pieces of it. You can say, I disagree with it, and you, know, you want to fight with it, but just, just compliment them and say, you know, they're all right. People want to be all right as people are talking. And find the little compliments that are, um, that are not going to take their argument and move it forward if they're wrong, but just literally say, calm, the, calm them down and, and put the fire out. And then uh, number three, skillful in teaching. We see that. Be kind, everyone. Able to teach. Um, able to teach is somebody who has a skill um, to teach. Um, so in other words, when somebody is speaking to you that's aggressive and you know you're going to say something, you don't want to say something that's going to start the argu- or continue the argument and go. So what we want to do is you want to say something that will keep the argument down but that you guys will learn in the process, and maybe that person will learn in the process. How do you do it? Speak in a way that always points your direction rather than at them. As soon as we say, you know, well, you should, or, you know, people who think that are stupid, you know, of course they're going to come back because they have to defend themselves. But speak in such a way that points everything at you. You know, the way I feel, this is just how I feel. You know, this is, you know, just the way I, I think. You know, I understand um, how, the direction you're going, but the direction that I see the thing is, is through, through this direction. You know, I might want to change, and I want to be convinced, and, and I want to understand the situation in the whole, but yet what you're doing is you're always pointing everything this direction rather than out this direction. Just point it back, skillful at teaching. And then locate their issue and speak into it. Every single one of us, um, uh, have an issue, and believe it or not, that issue is proclaimed on our tongues constantly. And it can be taking place all the way back to our childhood, an issue that is there, an insecurity issue, an issue that you, you, you feel like the world is, is falling apart because the entire time that you were ra- being raised, your world was falling apart. It's still, it's still in you. Um, image issues, all these issues that are inside of us come out of us in arguments. In fact, I heard one statement um, said, and I completely and entirely believe it, is that when you and your mate can argue, and all of a sudden it gets really, really heated and really, really nasty, um, what takes place is often there's a button that switches in certain person's mind, and that person is no longer even yelling at you. They're yelling at the issue that they have had in the past, and you're the closest one, and it has brought that issue up, and you are in trouble with it. And then in that process, the other person brings up their issues in the back, and all of a sudden it just, it just gets ugly, it gets mean, it gets nasty. Just find the issue. Is this person insecure? Does this person want to be somebody? Does this person want to be heard? And, and then you speak into it. You know, thank you for talking to me about this. I like to hear you say that. I like to get your view. I like to understand where you feel. All of a sudden you're talking into people's issues. Ask questions in a way that will require them to come up with their own answer. 
Um, Jesus, um, he did that all the time. In an argument, what happens is people don't think. And if, if people think, they think of what are we going to say next? How are we going to combat um, the issue? Um, but um, the way that Jesus spoke is he wanted people to think in, in their discussions. And, and just to give you, you know, um, one way Jesus spoke is I, somebody walked up and says, I hear you, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's like, who told you I was a King of kings and Lord of lords? <laughs> Jesus, you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. Just say yes. But he says, no, who told you I was a King of kings and Lord of lords? All of a sudden, that person had to go, oh, I have to answer that question. <laughs> and so it, it, it just threw it right back on top of that person that he had to, he had to think and, and then it's like, well, uh, um, I, I don't know who told me. Or, or they give an answer, and then Jesus can go off the discussion, go off the um, discussion uh, with that. And he did that consistently. He would ask questions to the person that would walk up to him and, and, uh, and make um, statements. Powerful, powerful technique. Ask questions because you want people to think. Um, don't resent. Not resentful. Patient when wrong. We... Um, have the cross for so many reasons. Um, and yes, we can say, yeah, it gives us salvation. I mean, we can go on and on about all of these um, reasons. But one reason that, that, um, that we have the cross is that I don't deserve it, yet I have received it. In other words, God has forgiven me when he should not forgiven me. And all my wrong was placed on his shoulders and the only one that should not suffer for my wrong is the one who suffered for my wrong which is Jesus Christ so he has been wronged because of me he has been wronged because of me and his message is to us is what you're gonna be wronged but look at the way that I was wrong because of you. See, the power that is, is in the gospel is I deserve death, I deserve hell, and I deserve destruction, but I've been given grace, I've been given love, and I've been given mercy. Therefore, I need to give grace, I need to give love, and I need to give mercy to others. And so just the simple thing is that I'm not going to resent. It can't stir up inside of me um, when I'm frustrated or when I have been wronged. I need to get it away, and the way to get it away is get it to the cross. And then gently instruct, and that would be to adhere uh, to their conscience. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct. Gently is do it, you know, very um, systematically, do it very skillfully, do it very softly um, in regards to instruct. And some people we just can't, we just can't instruct. So just looking at the answer to this other specific question, which is on the back, biblical versus cultural gentleness, tips, tricks, and techniques in communication. Um, it's the same thing, and I just want to give it under the category of tips, tricks, and techniques. Uh, tips, here's a tip. Hurting people hurt. You just have to think about that. If somebody is trying to hurt you, it's because, it's because they hurt. Um, that's just something you just put in the back of your mind. They are hurting, therefore they are lashing out. Um, what takes place is if we hurt, we're going to hurt. And if we're not hurting, do you know what's going to happen? We are not going to hurt. We're not ambitious to hurt. 
That's why we need to be healed completely at the cross, born again and let our past go away so we're not ambitious to hurt because those are the people that hurt. Hurting people hurt. Think of that in your mind. Think of that when somebody comes up to you and tries to hurt you. People are a product um, of their past. Their past is going to consistently come up and it's going to be driving their actions. It's going to be driving their behavior. Again, when we are born again, that's what born again means. Our past is gone. I'm a brand new person. If that person comes and is arguing with you, they're a product of what has taken place in their life. And not everyone believes the same way that we do. Um, We have to think that pretty consistently, but often we don't talk that way, just to let you know. Um, Just like um, in evangelism, I'll just give you a really fast statement. You need to accept Jesus Christ because you're going to go to hell when you die. You know. Um, well, number one is they don't believe in God. If they don't believe in God, the last thing they're going to believe is hell. They need to believe in God before they even know that there is a hell that, that takes place. But we do speak really fast in, in a way where we think, well, I'm going to tell you this because I believe it, therefore you should believe it. And it, it, has, to be a lot more, um, it has to be a lot more generous than that. It has to be a lot more smooth um, than that. And the reason why we do get really fast and abrupt is just um, because we think people think the way we do, that if I believe it, then it's, it's, it's got to be, be true. Therefore, if you speak, speak in such a way to convince them. You know, um, when it comes to um, evangelism, you always observe the person before you bring evangelism into the perspective. Uh, when you observe the person, um, the gospel comes in what? It comes in power. <laughs> it comes in absolute power. So if I was going to speak to a thug and this thug walked up and says, you know, hey, you believe in God, you're stupid, you believe in God, and how would I give him the gospel? The way that I would give him the gospel is like, of course I believe in God. He carries a power that actually puts me above this earth. He carries me a power that if you shoot me right in the head, I still get to live. He carries me a power that I can have the whole world fall down and still stand because he stands. I worship a God that is mighty and powerful. Oh, the thug's going to look at you and go, mm, you know, I can't kill him? I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's how the people think, but you're speaking um, on, his, on his language. But if you walk into um, somebody who's um, on the deathbed and uh, gospel carries power, God, gospel carries a power that's beyond this world. It doesn't speak that way. No, the gospel carries somebody that will comfort as well. See, there's a power in the gospel, but there's a comfort in the gospel. God loves you, and God wants to save you, and God wants you to confess. He wants you to be washed clean. God wants you to take you as your own right now. Open up your heart and put your sins on the table and ask for forgiveness. See, God is a God of, of comfort as well, but you speak differently to this person than you speak to that person. And then, then there's also logic. You'll have the logic person that, you know, that will come up with, well, the reason why God doesn't exist is because of this and that. And you know, then they'll explain all the systematics or the, the scientific reasons why you know, God doesn't exist. Well, then that's why you explain it. You explain it in his language. The way that you do it is like, well, let me talk to you about God. Yes, a lot of people reject him because of the simplicity of it. You know, you have all this, you know, logistical pieces of it, but God was simple because he wanted to give it to the children. And this is what God did, but inside of what God did, it is completely systematically put together (laughs) as, you know, way he created the world, all those science formulas, you know, I can go on and on. But what happens is that we need to speak in their language. (laughs) And and what we do is we think, well, the person believes what I believe, and therefore I'm just going to say what I believe. No, actually just 
speak in their language because not everyone believes the way that we believe. And um, so that's just a tip, just to put something in the back of your mind. Here's a trick. Um, if you listen and ask questions to keep them talking, uh, your um, enemy will absolutely love you. And I've said this before, is that if you are listening and all you do is ask questions to keep their talking, your worst enemy will fall in love with you <laughs> because that's everything that everybody needs. They just need to be heard. Be humble. Um, it is not fun to fight someone who is down on the ground. And so it's like, yeah, I know, I understand. You know, I understand that, you know, if, if um, somebody comes up and says, that was a lousy sermon, it's like, you know what, yeah, I completely understand. You know, I completely see it's a lousy sermon. I want to apologize for giving you, you know, a, a lousy sermon. I want to go to the Word of God, and I pray that every time I speak, that God speaks. And um, I just want to say thank you for telling me, and I, you know, and, uh, and I just pray that the Spirit of God would work even through a lousy sermon, which they, you know, which they are. But see, what happens if it's hard to just beat somebody up <laughs> who, is, who is saying, that's all right, yeah, I've got God, so I'm secure enough, so I'll just be humble instead. And then um, technique, uh, combat with positive, combat with compliments, and uh, be an offensive talker rather than um, a defensive talker. And what that means by an offensive talker rather than a defensive talker is that the New Testament is defense, or offensive talkers, and the Old Testament's defensive talkers. What I mean by that is if you think of the Ten Commandments, what do you hear? Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Well, those Ten Commandments were wrapped up into two commandments, and what were they by Jesus? Thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt. Well, only two, sorry. Thou shalt and thou shalt. A defensive talker is don't, 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 don't. Well, actually just say do, 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 because when you say do, 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 you make a person alive. If you say don't, 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 you actually crush that person. You crush that person down. So just the, the offensive um, uh, talker, you know, would, would always speak in a way that brings life to the person rather than, rather than oh, thou, don't, 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 because that just brings judgment down. So I just want, I don't want to go through this, um, but there's, there's pieces of abusive communication. And the reason why I even brought this, this piece up um, is because we are all abusers. Every single one of us are abusers when we communicate. When you put it on paper, it then confronts us. You know, I, I can read this and I'm like, oh my goodness, my wife is an abusive communicator. She carries this one and that one and that one and that one. That's what not, this is not for. This is for, oh my goodness, I never noticed, but I'm an abusive communicator. So look at it with, with our intent of saying, I want to be a great communicator. Do I criticize people? Do I cut people down? Do I ridicule, ridicule people? And this is just for us. It's not for them. It's not for somebody else. But it's really to put it on paper and say, you know, who am I? And uh, how am I speaking in regards to my communication? And then the other piece is there's dysfunctional communication. And uh, the three dysfunctional pieces of communication is passive communication, aggressive communication, and then passive-aggressive communication. All three of those are equally dysfunctional. Find out which one in your category, which one you're in. I am more, I'm not an aggressive communicator, so I don't yell, scream. I just, you know, that's just not in me at all. Um, I'm not passive. Um, I would say that I migrate more towards passive-aggressive. Means like, yeah, you can tell me what for, and I won't tell you back, but you'll pay. You know, that's, that's kind of the, the piece that I migrate towards. I'm not aggressive, and I'm not passive. Passive-aggressive will be where I'd migrate towards. So I need to work on it. Now that I know it, I need to work on it. 
And then what you do is you literally read these and you find yours and think, okay, this is the way I communicate. This is the way my wife communicates or this is my husband communicates. Find out what category you work in and then work to combat that category if we want to have a tip of communication. The way that we are supposed to communicate is assertive communication, and this is the healthy way to communicate. And you'll see the five points that are there in regards to healthy um, communication um, in those things. Communication is a big deal. And when we look at communication, it's like, well, I want to talk about something you know, thicker than that. Well, it really bases down to communication. And I appreciate those questions, but uh, let's, um, this, is, um, this is what um, is the answer to some of those questions. But I want to give you guys further uh, opportunity um, to discuss. So I will leave this for open questions now. And hopefully you guys had questions, because remember I said I wasn't going to go very long, so you guys are going to have to have questions. Steve right here is the one that's going to give us, give us questions. Oh, you have the mic. That's right. You have the, the mic that you're going to walk around. Now, you guys are going to get a 45-minute sermon every week if you guys don't ask questions. You know, Rich Siebens, he works with me, and he's the one that usually passes out the mics, but he's not here right now. And he says, you know what you should do is you should break it up. You do a little lesson, and then you do questions. And I'm like, yeah, but do you know what happens? You lose control when you get questions. So if I do a little bit and then give questions, then, then I might not finish everything. So, but, and I will say that the questions can come up from anything. It doesn't have to be necessarily under uh, communication pieces of it. But there's questions. Andy, all right. Or you can leave comments as well. I have probably a more of a comment than a question, but I was thinking about the difference of a conversation that you might have with a believer versus an unbeliever or a professing believer, because I was thinking about that first one, don't argue, and while you can go into conversations that you may not argue with, especially a professing believer, you may speak more strongly because of things that they are professing that are inaccurate. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, the entire New Testament is written to who? church. It's not written to non-believers. It's not, it's not written to non-believers. It's written to the church, and it's aggressive statements to the church, sending the church off to go speak, you know, to the lost world. And Jesus was the strongest with, with the religious people. I mean, extremely the strongest with the religious people. And we got you know, we, we should be really mature to be able to take it. And I'm finding out that um, being a pastor, uh, one thing that is absolutely required is that I have to be mature and secure to take it and be okay with it and move on, you know, even, even with, with, with that piece of it. Because people have some very legitimate things to say to me, and I will take them, I will read them, and go, oh, yeah, you know what? That person is right. But if I think that that person is right, I'm going to have to be able to, I'm going to have to be able to take it. But absolutely. Thanks for that comment. And uh, right, right far back there. Oh, we're going to give, uh, we're going to get that microphone to you because we want to all hear the question and the people that are on the, the live stream won't be able to hear that. Just a, com- just a comment on number two, be kind. That has probably been the most hindrance to my marriage of anything because I want to be right so much. <laughs> and Mother Teresa says being kind is more important than being right. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> you know, we're just all human, aren't we? Isn't it just a pain? To, <laughs> because we, we do want to be right. And uh, that's the same way. 
same thing with me. You need to just be kind, be gentle. Right in the back, Steve. Mike, uh, when I think back to this, uh, one of the things I think I learned uh, early on in life from my dad, who was a minister and pastor, and he was quite wise. And I remember as a young guy, people would come to our home, the Jehovah Witnesses and stuff, and I'd always want to get out there and engage them and argue with them, you know. And I remember having this talk with my dad, and, and I'd been there once when they came by, and he had this quiet discussion, closed the door, walked in, and I said, what are you doing? And he said, Scott, he says, when I get out there and engage them, they're already well-trained. He said, they have their point. They're not going to bend. I've got my point. I'm not going to bend. He said, so then it becomes a battle of the wills, mm -hmm. and it becomes my flesh versus their flesh, and then it's just, I want to be right. And he said, so then by the end of that, I've gained nothing except my pride's gotten in the way. And I remember at first, I really didn't like that, and then I realized it's true because when I engage like that, it's just my pride because I am determined I'm going to be right. So, I, I love what you guys are saying because our flesh, especially men, we want to be right, and we want to convince other people of why we're right. So thanks for sharing this, Mike. It's, it's great. Absolutely. And we live in a world that is teaching us wrong. And I'll just be honest. That if you believe in Scripture, you are right. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just the way it is. In Scripture, you are right. But then how do you form and talk to somebody who is, who is wrong? And, and, and they want to engage, so how do you not engage? I remember giving an event, um, a gospel to somebody, and um, I just asked him questions. I just asked him questions the whole time, and I'm just sold on the question thing because you want him to think. You know, it's like, you know, um, you know, what do you think happens when you die? Well, then he starts, you know, he starts talking. Well, this is what happens. This is what happens. This is what happens. And uh, where did you get that information? You know, all they did was just ask him questions. And he finally got to the point, he goes, I don't know. Will you just tell me? <laughs> I mean, I'm like, you know, because he had to, he had to come up with all the answers. And uh, a Jehovah's Witness person comes to your door, you know, yes, you want to engage and be right, but, you know, think of, I'm going to have a conversation with somebody who is wrong. How am I going to do it? I have to convince him. Just come up with a whole bunch of questions and let him talk. You can just Google it and say, you know, how do you talk to somebody that is, you know, um, Jehovah's Witness? And then all you do is, you know, ask the question. So you'll come up with that more on the questions than anything else. But absolutely, it's very, very powerful. Yeah, right in the back. So um, what do you do when it's a believer, or, or they, they think they're believers, <laughs> and you have a discussion about something, uh, you know, we just went through a really hot political season, right? And, uh, and I have relatives that, you know, go to churches and stuff, and but the way that they conduct their lives. And so it's hard not to engage in conversation. So basically what I have done is what you said in, the first thing is I don't argue with it anymore. I just, uh, I just don't engage them. And, but it's hard not to just, like the other thing you mentioned said, just kick the dust from your sandals and walk away because that's kind of where I'm at. It's like I, I don't need to cast my pearls before swine. I mean, this, and if they're believers, how do you discuss it with believers? I mean, if they think they're doing the right thing, it goes back to my friend Dave. I won't say any last names, but he says it's my opinion and it ought to be yours. <laughs> there you go. That is, um, that is the toughest issue in regards to communication. That's the toughest issue is because we live in a world right now where churches and people um, have taken something that's anti the Bible, that's anti God. And the entire churches um, have um, embraced it. 
And so that is the toughest question that we have. How aggressive, you know, how aggressive do we go? And, um, and, and if you um, uh, look at Jesus, um, he um, made very, very sharp statements, but then he did let people walk away, and then he did walk away. I mean, just so here comes somebody that walks up and says, you know, hey, Jesus, I want to come into your kingdom. And, and what does Jesus say to him? Great, I'm so glad you're here. Just go ahead and leave um, uh, all your money and, uh, if you want to come into my kingdom. And the guy looked at him and says, well, hold on a second. You know, my dad is rich. And you know, if my dad being rich, you're telling me to get rid of all this to come in your kingdom? He goes, ah, I think twice about coming into your kingdom. And he turned around and walked away. And Jesus did what? He didn't chase him. He didn't, he didn't go after him and say, no, 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 no. Here, let me change it a little bit. You don't have to get rid of everything. Let me give you the doctrine of not getting rid of it. He just knew that there's one thing that was in between them, one thing that was in between them for his salvation that he loved more than God. And he was not going to get, he was not going to get rid of it. So our arguments for Christian is, is number one is who is our God and what stands in between us? What greater love stands in between us than, than God? And then we have to make a decision. That person has a greater love than this. So I was talking to somebody that, um, that struggled with homosexuality. And uh, this person who struggled with homosexuality, he says, just tell me it's right. Tell me it's okay. And, um, and I'm like, I can't tell you it's okay. This is what Scripture says. You know? and, I, and I work through Scripture, you know, um, walking with it. And, um, and as I'm walking with it, um, the person in the back in his mind is going really, really fast on, well, I love this, so I want this to be right. And I said to him, is you're going to have a great love, and it's going to be God, or it's going to be this. And right now, this love of homosexuality is competing with your God being your first love and your greatest love. And then you just have to make a decision. And so if you make a decision that I'm going to be God, then you'll combat it and you'll fight it. If you make a decision that's going to be this, then you'll actually cast God out of your life and you, will never, you won't go to church anymore. I just told him the list of things. It's not going to happen. He goes, I believe it's right. I will be in church. I will have a homosexual relationship that I'm doing right now, and I'm not going to step away. And I said, no, you won't. You won't come to church anymore. I won't see you anymore. I can guarantee it. He goes, I will prove you wrong. And after that conversation, I haven't seen a sentence. Because <laughs> he, he can't just walk in there because he has a greater love than God, and he knows that, and he can only have one top, one top love. So when you do talk with believers, talk on the, the plane of what's your greatest love? Because if there's something that's competing with God, then, how do I say this? Then you're not a, belie- you're not a believer, you know, just in the sense that I'm going to choose this over God. Then that's, that's, not, how it wor- that's not how it works. So that, just working on that, that plane of it. Is, um, is, is probably the easiest way to, uh, the, the plane to work on in regards to doing it. Yes, Dave, or, yeah. Uh, there's an old uh, horse training adage that says you don't reward bad behavior. Comment on that? Yeah, you don't. You don't reward with bad behavior. And, um, and you don't, I would just put the two together and you don't argue with a fool. So, so in other words, you have a person that has bad behavior, that person is a fool and should not be rewarded. But also, in the process of being disciplined, 
in that process, you're just going to get in, you're going to get in an argument. But no, you do, not, you do not award bad behavior. Did I go deep enough in regards to the question? Ask it again. You good? All right. Yeah, no, we shouldn't, we shouldn't, um, we shouldn't award bad behavior. And we should, um, um, yeah, absolutely. We also have to understand where our authority is at. And, um, and, you know, when it comes to um, authority, do I have authority over that person? That means would that person respond to me and respond to my um, directions? Um, so even when we are um, authority, I'm sorry, I know there's a question here, but let me, I'll just finish, finish here real fast, Lindsay. Just um, authority is never positional. It's always a gift. So what I mean by that is that do I have authority up here? I have authority if I've earned it from you. I don't have authority because there's a, I'm in a position. I have no authority because I'm in a position. I have authority if I've earned it from you. And if I've earned it from you, then I would have um, authority. It's always earned. It's never, um, it's, it's never, it's never um, positional. So we see that with our children. You know, when it comes to our children, we're raising our children. Do I have authority over my children? Well, when they get into adolescence, sometimes they can get wild. Sometimes they can get crazy. And so, sometimes they can say no, you know, um, and, 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 and speak back and, and, and do what they want. Well, when they're in adolescence, what you want to do is you want to raise them and work with them to continue to carry that authority where they would say, okay, I want to hear, I want to listen um, in those things. So you have to find out who you have authority over and who you don't. That's kind of a long statement for, for that question, but that would be one piece. Yeah, Lindsay. Um, so the uh, question about, I'm sorry, there was a statement about kindness is more important than being right. And I was just wondering if you could expound on the biblical definition of kindness. Um, the biblical definition of kindness, I would say, would be gentleness. Uh, would be um, somebody that you can walk up to and you can, you can feel comfortable, um, comfortable um, around. And, um, and I do think that that, um, and that would, be, that would be the pieces of, of kindness. Jesus um, carried um, extreme amount of kindness, so much that little children, and think of this back in that age, you know, the bishops, you know, the Pharisees, you know, the priests, you just don't walk up to those people. But Jesus carried this kindness that people said, I can approach that person. I can talk to that person. And all of a sudden, those children went in and then were educated. So when I work off of that comment, I'd say, we want people to come in so they can be educated. So if we are aggressive at the top, people will not come in to be educated. People will actually be repelled before they can even, will even ever listen to you. So I do think that kindness is, is um, the, the, the avenue of bringing somebody in the avenue, I'd say, of getting authority. Um, and, um, and so that would be like on the forefront um, of, our, of our mind. So, you know, um, even as if I'm preaching and, and, I, and I'm a jerk, you need to do this, and you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this, that's, that's more of a, um, a cult that's literally saying, we're going this direction. If you don't get this direction, fear follows. Well, fear is not the thing that's supposed to drive. I think kindness is the thing that's supposed to drive. So people will come in and say, what does that person have to say? What is it? And that's, that's what you would call influence. So I think that's where it comes with kindness and, and truth. When it comes to truth, don't budge truth. <laughs> don't budge truth. Don't water down truth. Um, but how do we present truth? 
uh, I'd say the same way that Christ presented truth, in a sense that they were, you know, that they were, um, he was kind to bring them in. But I also say that, you know, with the Pharisees as well, he knew who he was talking to us, you know. So all of a sudden, that per- he knew exactly who the Pharisees were, he knew who the children were, and he just kind of told them, you know, pretty, pretty strong truth. And it was, again, knowing who to deal with, you know, who, knowing who you're dealing with. But I want a listening ear, and I'd have to earn a listening ear, and the way that I'd learn that at listening ear is through, is through kindness. So I have a question about, um, you were talking about homosexuality and this person you were dealing with. Um, would you deal differently with someone who says they're a believer and a homosexuality and wants to continue than a person who you know is not a believer? So one thing about homosexuality and where we really go sideways on it is the biblical explanation of homosexuality is that it is a sin. It is a sin. The world says that it's not a sin, it's an identity. So in other words, we are an identity. And as a result of me being born, I was born homosexuality. Uh, I was born a homosexual. Um, If the Bible is specifically saying homosexuality is a sin, and somebody says, no, no, I was falling into the culture that I was born with it, well, I'm not even... I'm not even thinking they're saved. I'm, I'm not thinking those pieces of it because they've taken Scripture and they've taken Scripture they moved it in a way that it's just, no, this is who I am as a person. Well, it's not who you are as a person. God made male and God made female and this is what happens when we don't believe God. We actually move towards those areas. So somebody walks in and says, I'm a homosexual and it's a sin and I'm struggling with a sin and, and I'm a believer. Well, praise God that you're talking about it. Praise God that you're, you're wanting help with it. Praise God that you want to combat it. You are a believer because you are coming here with, um, with a, a guilt and a conscience of knowing that you're doing something that's not right, and every single one of us have this in the room, a sin in a room that we deal with. One, it might not be homosexuality. It might be something else. But what you're doing is you're not switching it. You're all working. You're working with it. So when it comes to a believer, not a believer in regards to homosexuality, I would see where they stand on it. You know, and uh, is it a sin? Yeah, if it is a sin, then you have taken the word of God and you have taken truth and you are understanding it. Because, and if they don't know it, I'll show it to them, you know, how clear it is. And, um, and then if they say, well, I'm still going to hang on to that because I believe that's an identity instead of, instead of uh, um, a sin. And I'm like, well, that means you don't have to have a conscience. And that means you better not have the Holy Spirit inside of you while you're doing it because the Holy Spirit will not stop working on any Christian in regards to every sin that all of us are faced with. So, so to answer that question really fast, I would say I wouldn't deal with them if they're Christian or not Christian. I'd work with the topic to see if they are Christian, <laughs> you know, to see what's, what's going on in, in that, that regard. So um, let's say... You ask them, are you in Christ? Do you consider yourself a believer? And they say, yeah, but I just don't go to church. Then how would you deal with that person? Um, 
I deal with a whole different topic in regards not to homosexuality, <laughs> in regards to God didn't create us that way. I'd go on to the church topic uh, automatically, and I don't want to stretch from homosexuality, but that's a whole different topic, is that, um, you know, as a youth pastor for many years, and as, as a youth pastor, um, I had kids that, that loved God, was on fire for God, all the way through youth group, and, um, and then I have some kids that were like, well, we're anti-church structure, you know, the American church. And so they, they don't go to church. Well, they're raising kids that don't know Jesus. And they're going a direction that they don't have anything to, anything to do with God. And why? And the reason why is because God created us to be in community to, um, um, to grow and to know him. And I don't know the beauty, the majesty, and the glory of God if I isolate myself into a single person and say, I'm just going to read you know, this and I'm not going to have anything to do with the church or I'm not going to have anything to do with the world. I'd say anybody that says, I don't want anything to do with the church, I would question their motive, and I'd question their um, why. You know, I, that would be a whole different topic, because I believe that we need to be connected with the body of Christ if we're going to walk with God, and I think that's very, very biblical. So that would be a different, that would be almost a different, a different subject in regards to their, sexual, their homosexuality. So looking at the time, um, I think that we need to pull the plug. So thank you guys so much for asking questions. And uh, we'll just continue to work through these questions and then also different topics um, that we are working through. But we'll give you more time, you know, to talk. Hopefully you guys liked asking questions. Maybe you didn't. I don't know. So we'll see how it continues to go. Thanks for being here.